that be a part of it. Uh, I don't know. You guys, I don't know how your day is going or what you feel like today or if today's feeling like a good day, but man, I hope it is. I hope it is because, uh, man, there's such hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and regardless of what your last week was, it's over. And God's given you today. And today's what you got. And you make the most of it. And then if we're fortunate enough to have tomorrow, God blesses us with that opportunity, oh, we get to make the most of it yet again. And if when you approach life that way every single day, man, it just changes your perspective. and allows you to look around and, and you see those around you that don't have that and you long for them, hopefully you long for them, to have that same feeling you do, that same experience that you do in Christ. And so really be in prayer for that. And don't hesitate. Those, those prayer cards that are located in those seat backs in front of you, use those, please. Uh, that, that used to be the main source of, of the prayer request that we'd get in and, and put on the prayer list in the office. And if you've got prayer requests you've sent in and they're on that list and you have updates, call us, email us, tell us those updates. We want people to know what is going on in their lives. There was one that I updated this week. Uh, Megan had given us a prayer request for her aunt. And her aunt was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and was in the hospital. And Megan said, hey, can we add her to the prayer list? She said, absolutely. So we put her on the prayer list. And wouldn't you know that very day that we put her on the prayer list, she started getting better. She's out of the hospital. She's, There's power in prayer. Um, and, and we've got to remember that. Sometimes we just do it as Christians thinking, well, it's just what we're supposed to do. No, 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 no. There's power in that. And we need to remember that and use it that way. Okay, don't forget those things. I, I'm excited about what's coming. Here in just a few weeks, just a few very short weeks, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to be, begin studying the teachings of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus are not all the way through Luke. Actually, most of Jesus' ministry, um, the miracles were really in the first two-thirds, three-fourths of that ministry, and then he just shifted over to teaching as he prepared for his ultimate miracle, of course, his resurrection the reality is the world in which we live, fewer and fewer and fewer people know who Jesus even is. But beyond that, even fewer know what he actually did. And that's why we're sharing all of these miracles with you right now, to be able to share those with other people. But you take it a step further, even fewer know what Jesus really taught and what he really said. We live in a world that has forgotten his words at best, and at worst, ignores his words completely. But there's another phase that our world is really diving into in this moment that we're in, and that is this. The world has now begun twisting Jesus' words. Now, that's nothing new. They've been doing that since he originally spoke them. But they twist his words, and they twist his teachings to conform Jesus into who we want him to be instead of who he really actually is. You see, the world wants Jesus desperately, and they want to use his words, but they got to make sure that his words and his teachings affirm their lifestyles and their behaviors and their feelings and their actions. And if they can do that, well, then Jesus is okay. You see, because Jesus wanted us to be happy, right? He loves us, right? Didn't he say that? Well, yes, he did absolutely say that he loves us. He didn't just say it. He proved it. But he loves us too much to allow our lifestyles and our actions and our behaviors and our feelings to send us to hell. So he came to show us and teach us a better way. We'll begin that pursuit here in just a few weeks, so hang on. We'll be there real soon. The first few weeks of this new year, though, we've been continuing in the miracles that Luke shares with us, this challenge 
to have faith, a genuine faith in this world that we live in, to allow him to change us and challenge us in this new year. And the question has been, are you up for it? Are you ready? Are you willing to accept that challenge? This thing that, that, that I just keep saying over, and I'm going to say it forever, I think, we will never ever, you will never become who Jesus wants you to be by remaining who you are today. Never. You must always be changing, becoming more and more like him, living more and more like him. There's no one walking this earth that can just look in the mirror and go, you know what? I'm good. Like, I, I mean, there's Jesus and there's me and we're pretty much the same. And so I don't really think I need to do anything else. I, I can't really be any more like Jesus, right? Now, I'm not saying there aren't people that don't believe that. I didn't say that. <laughs> But I can tell you probably what Jesus would say to those people. As a matter of fact, I can quote him if you'd like, Matthew 7, 21. And Jesus will say to them, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil Doers. Now, as a leader within the body of Christ, uh, just the thought of that happening to any of us is just devastating. It's devastating. We don't want that to happen to anyone. And as a believer here today, you, of course, shouldn't want that to happen to anyone either. That is why we as believers must examine the only one that we have any power or control over in this world, ourselves, daily. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the tests? Church, I want you to think about this scenario, all right? Imagine this. If someone has joined us today or in the near future or in the distant future or they're joining us online and they're not yet a believer, they've not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they look around and they see you, and they see me, and they see us examining ourselves, admitting that, that we're not perfect in any way, that we don't have it all together. And they see our lives, and they see us fully relying to the best of our ability on our God for our hope and our strength. They see us placing our genuine faith in him alone and striving to become more like him every day. If someone is witnessing that, the next thing they're going to experience is they're going to experience his love through you. Do you think if someone that doesn't know Jesus begins seeing that, first of all, and experiencing that, second of all, then they might just open their mind and their hearts to the possibility that this Jesus is legit. There's something about him that has changed you, and now they're watching and they're seeing and they're experiencing that. So much so that they began to realize that maybe that Jesus loves them too and has a purpose for them too. It's almost as if God is making his appeal through us to all of the world around us. Because Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that he is. God is directly making his appeal for, uh, his, appeal for his son through you and through me and through our lives. A daunting task, sure, but it's how he does things. Luke shares these miracles with us to help us be certain 
of our faith. So today we're going to keep building. Luke chapter 8 is where we're at. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. Grab your Bibles, grab your phones, grab your tablets, grab a Bible under the seat in front of you. Grab your Luke journal if you've got one of those. If you don't, there's still a few left out there. We're going to order some more as soon as they're all available in mass at least. Jesus and the disciples, from last week, if if you were able to listen or join us last week, they were on the other side of the Sea of Galilee last week. They had that crazy experience with that demon-possessed man, and they are coming back from that trip. The disciples have witnessed the power that Jesus has to control nature, simply by speaking two simple words. The disciples have no understanding of that. They've just witnessed it and went, oh, wow, who is this man? Then they went on and they watched a demon possessed be completely restored to a sound mind and body and be sent off as a missionary to his own people and share the good news of Jesus. And now that group comes back to the shores. The miracles from today continue to show the power and the authority of Jesus over disease and death in these instances. But both continue that theme of faith, because both of these people in the stories today are people of tremendous faith. So verse 40 says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed them, for they were all expecting them. And a man named Yidios, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now, let's start with this. If you're like me, how many of you have heard this story before somewhere in life? You've heard this story. Okay, have you ever heard the name Jarius before? Because that's the way I've always heard it pronounced my entire life. And as I was reading, I, I, I was reading, I was literally typing the name into the message, and as I typed it, I realized that's not his name at all. That's not how it's spelled. It's spelled J-A-I-R-U-S, which might not seem like a big difference, but it is. It's a completely different word. The Greek pronunciation is what I use. Yidios is how you would say that. The English version is Jairus, not Jarius. (laughs) Totally different. And here's the thing. We should know this guy's name. Do you know why? Because he is a man of tremendous faith. And it's worth committing those kinds of things to our memories. And it's worth me going to the links to try to figure out how to pronounce it correctly because it's, a, it's just an incredible example of faith for all of us. Now, this man was a leader within the Jewish community. We don't know his exact role within a synagogue, but he worked at the synagogue. So people would have known who he was because they saw him every day there. And here this man comes to Jesus with faith, with faith that somehow his daughter can be healed. Her illness is severe. He has nowhere else to turn. Time is of the essence if this girl was to be saved. But the story continues. As Jesus went on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman, a woman who was there, had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but had no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and, and touched just the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Now, Let's go back to the beginning of the story. This man, Gideos, he's rushing to get Jesus to his house as fast as he possibly could. The crowd is overwhelming. It's pressing in on Jesus and the disciples. If you can imagine that scene, if anybody here is claustrophobic, this is your worst fear in life. People pressing in on you. You can't move. You can't get to where you want to go. 
But there was another in that massive crowd that needed Jesus' help in that moment. She couldn't get to him to speak to him. Who knows how loud this crowd was? Who knows what all this crowd was saying to Jesus, begging for Jesus? I believe there were people within that crowd that were crying out to Jesus for help, but they lacked something that these other two people didn't lack. We'll get to that later. She found a way, somehow, some way to press through the crowd, get just close enough, just close enough to touch the edge of his robe. That's all she thought she needed to do, and she was right. Because it says immediately she was healed. Her condition was serious. 12 years of bleeding. Now, I'm not going into this at all. This is just something for food for thought, if you will. 12 years of bleeding, and how old was Yerios' daughter again? 12. Is there a connection? Hmm, I don't know. I'll let you ponder that. I'll let you ponder that just for a while. It's possible, it's possible that there's a connection between those two stories. But I want you to think about just this woman. Let's, let's not think about the daughter just yet. We'll get to her. It is impossible for me as a man to imagine how frustrating, how inconvenient, how painful at times that condition would have been for that woman and how she would have felt. Not to mention a constant loss of blood leads one to be weak. <laughs> You're losing iron all of the time then, and your body will gradually get weaker for 12 years. She was constantly, ceremonially unclean and unable to participate in her Jewish faith for 12 years. And so she reached out, and immediately it says she was healed, and she knew it. There was something within her that changed in that instant and what's amazing to me is then, what did she do? Well, she tried to casually slip back out of the crowd when she realized what had happened. But then Jesus interrupted her plans. That's verse 45. Who touched me? Who touched me? Jesus asked. It's a good question. Now, wait, you're the woman. That wasn't supposed to happen, right? You had the faith. You went, you touched him, you got healed. I'm just going to sneak up, touch him, disappear in the crowd. She was overjoyed that it happened. Don't get me wrong. It was not like she didn't want to say thank you. But did everyone really need to know? Did she need to go before everyone? No, no, not really. Everyone around Jesus denied it. Peter, of course, spoke up. Master, all the people, there's people crowding and pressing in on you all around. Practical, Peter, Jesus, I know you're Jesus, and I know you know people are touching you. I get it, but do you realize there's people on every side? We feel like we're being crushed. So yes, Jesus, someone touched you. Actually, Jesus, lots of someones touched you. So let's just get on our way and go help this desperate father. And then verse 46, Jesus says, yeah, but Peter... um." Somebody touched me. I know this because, because this power left me. Yeah, Peter, lots and lots of folks are pressing in, and lots of people around me have needs and are crying out. I get that, but here's the thing. Somebody touched me, and somebody here touched me that believed that the power within me could be used to heal them, and Peter, guess what? They were right. So I would like to take a moment here, and I would like to acknowledge this miracle and bring glory to my Father in heaven because he is the one from this power, whom this power came from. So this woman who's tried to sneak away now realizes she's busted. Do you get busted for being healed? Like, I don't even know how that works exactly, but she's been found out, I guess. Maybe that's a better way. She couldn't go unnoticed, so she came trembling and fell at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because she was in fear. Just like every one of these people we've read about the last few weeks are in fear when the miracles happen because of the power that they experience. They don't know how to deal with it or where it's from. They don't understand it. 
In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how instantly she had been healed. And then Jesus said to her daughter, your faith, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, this woman privately believed that Jesus could heal her. Her condition was not one that she wanted to broadcast across all of humanity. I can understand why. But Jesus chooses to draw her out of the shadows so that people can hear her story. Now, she didn't want to share her story, public speaking. Come on, no way. It was miraculous, but she didn't want people to know. So what did Jesus do? Jesus brought her forward. He encouraged her, and he empowered her to share her story because he knew that the power of her story and the power it would have to change the lives of someone else there that day that was hiding in the shadows of that crowd. He knew she needed to be encouraged to share what God had done for her with others throughout the rest of her life, and here's her first chance. So he took a moment, and he stopped everything so she would know how important she is and her story is to him. Being healed is one thing. Having Jesus call you forward and help you understand how much you are loved and how important your insignificant story is. She was nobody of importance. How important her story was to hear for everyone else. Imagine the strength and courage that brought her the rest of her life to speak on his behalf. Verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Idios, the synagogue leader. Your daughter, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher any longer. Now, there's no reaction recorded there, only Jesus' response. Hearing this, Jesus said to the Father, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Well, then they arrive at his house. Jesus didn't let anyone go in with them except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead. She's just asleep. The crowd laughed at Jesus, knowing the fact that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat, for her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Let's go back to the very beginning of the story. Let's set the whole scene just for this moment. Jesus had left. Was this girl sick when Jesus left the city? Absolutely she was. Maybe this father was out looking for Jesus that very night when he got in the boat with the disciples to sail to the other side. We don't know, but we do know that this father was anxiously awaiting Jesus' arrival back on shore just with the hope and the belief that he could do something. He was anxiously awaiting. He had no idea when Jesus would return. He was desperate, probably frantically searching the streets, asking, have you seen him? Is he back yet waiting for his return? His daughter was getting worse. He needs Jesus now. Finally, finally the moment arrives where Jesus lands on the shore and he's able to find him once again. He goes to him, he begs him, he asks him, and Jesus agrees right away to go with him. But the crowd's there. And the crowd's too much for them to just walk back to his house. They have to press through, work through to get to his house, and it's hard and it's difficult. And then all of a sudden, everything stops. And the story of the woman unfolds. It's an incredible miracle. It's a beautiful story. What a gift to that woman. But it took precious time. 
time that the father didn't have in that moment. And as they're about to finally get back on their way again, he is met with the devastating news that his daughter is lost. It's too late. The father had tried. He'd done everything that he could to save his daughter. He had faith that Jesus could and would heal her. But that faith was now really, really challenged because his daughter was dead. See, the father had it all worked out in his mind. He envisioned him finding Jesus, Jesus being brought to his house, lying hands on that young girl, and her instantly being restored and being healed. Now that dream of the father seemed impossible. The father's plan had failed miserably. But Jesus hadn't failed. Not at all. Jesus had only not allowed the vision of the father to come true. The father was distraught. You see, that messenger had now planted a tremendous seed of doubt in Yidios' mind. And I think I can understand why, can't you? But Jesus presses on to the home anyway. They arrive at the home and they're confronted by this crowd. This crowd all convinced that the situation is hopeless. Again, I can understand why, by all accounts, the girl is no longer living. They weren't wrong about their perception of the condition she was in. However, their hope was in the wrong place. It says they laughed at Jesus. They laughed at Jesus for saying that she was not dead but asleep. Now, this wasn't a joyful laugh. This is a group of mourners and wailers, sarcastic, ridiculed type of laugh at Jesus. Luke doesn't record Jesus' response or reaction to the lack of faith of the crowd, but both Matthew and Mark do. It, it says that Jesus, upon their, his explanation, their laughter at him, he says, okay, get out. He literally kicks the entire crowd out. Go away. I don't want you here, you people without faith. He kicks them out. Then he takes the parents, Peter, James, and John, and he goes to her, and he tells her to get up, and she does. He tells, her to, tells them to give her food, and she eats. And then one last thing, he tells them, oh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> now, I'm going to be really honest here, Jesus. I don't know why you told them that exactly, because here's the thing. They don't need to tell anyone Remember, there was a whole group in the house that knew she was dead, and that girl's going to walk out here in a minute. <laughs> I think they'll take care of it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be persuaded not to share this news with anyone else. There's not much more the parents could say at that point. The parents completely astonished. You see, the father's faith brought Jesus to the girl even when all hope was lost. It wasn't his plan. His plan was out the window. He had to have his doubts that anything good could come of this. But he still believed something was possible because he completely ignored the instructions he was given. Don't bother the teacher any longer. There's nothing he can do for her. Somehow he trusted Jesus to define the truth of that situation. He did not listen to the messenger. He did not listen to the crowd when they got home. Now, earlier in verse 50, we read this, but I just kind of casually skipped over it because I wanted to come back to it. I want you to hear why Yidios had this hope. After they received the devastating news, you know what happened to that father. He didn't just stand there like a man and take it. No, no, no. 
he would have crumbled to the feet of Jesus. He would have been broken inside and out. There would have been no denying that. There's no way that he didn't fall apart in that moment like each and every one of us would have. And so we have to take these words of Jesus and imagine how he said them to this father as he knelt down with the father who's weeping at his feet, and he put his hands on him, and he puts his chin up, and he looks him in the eye, and he says, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe, just believe, and she will be healed. Now, there's no way that request is possible. There's just not a way that that request could possibly be honored by that father, except if it was by Jesus. You see, it was impossible for the disciples in that boat during the storm last week as the man spoke to the wind and the waves. It was impossible that they obeyed that man's commands, yet there they did. It was impossible for the townspeople not to be afraid of Jesus as that demon-possessed man that they all knew was released from the captivity of those demons and they were driven into the herd of pigs. Who on earth is this man? that has such power over spiritual forces. This father found the strength not to be afraid, but to believe that Jesus could somehow do the impossible and even bring his daughter back to life. Now, believer, in this world that we live in, we have to look at Jesus and we have to take these words to heart. We are blessed to have this text to read. We are blessed to have the rest of the Holy Word of God to study and rely on. What did this father have? Seriously, what did he have to go from? What did he have to have this kind of faith? Well, he had some rumors. He heard about Jesus doing some healing. He might have heard one of Jesus' sermons, if you will. But his faith was really pretty blind. In the world we live in today, man, Jesus has given us so much to see. We don't have to have a blind faith like this man did any longer. We have this book like Luke, which isn't just an incredible resource for his teachings and his miracles, but it's actually historically accurate. It's been proven time and time again. Plus, we have over 2,000 years now of history, of witnessing the impact that God has had on this world through his son, Jesus. The impact Jesus has had on every single element of this planet through his words, his actions, and his people. That impact is immeasurable. It's incredible what he has done. Luke has set out to give us proof for our faith. We don't have to have a blind faith. It is reasonable to believe in God. It is rational to believe in God. So, as we ask, as Jesus asked the disciples in the boat last week, where is your faith? Every one of us, every single one of us are going to have challenges to our faith in life. When we do, when we do these words, simple words of Jesus should come to mind every time. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Is it easy? Was it easy for that father to go to his house not being afraid and to believe? No, absolutely not. Jesus never promised it would be. Will people laugh at us? They laughed at Jesus. They laughed at Jesus. If we are living out our faith, people will look at us and they will laugh at us. And that's okay. 
Because when those same people are going through the storms of life, guess who it is that's going to show up to help them? It's us. Yeah, the people that they laughed at, that's who comes in and shares with them Jesus in that moment. We just have to be ready. Is the struggle real for you today? Maybe it's out of desperation, like these two individuals were, the woman or the father. Maybe it's just out of curiosity. We live in a world where people are going to discover Jesus just because they're curious, because they've tried everything else, and they're wondering, is there any truth behind this Jesus? We have something to share. He will reveal himself to you if you are open to the truth. He won't hide. Maybe, maybe you're coming back to Jesus. That can happen. We can walk away. People choose to do that all of the time, unfortunately. Maybe you're coming back. If you are, there's a very, very, very famous story in God's Word just about you. And it simply says that when you decide to come back to God, He doesn't even wait for you to get to Him because He comes running out to meet you. He's so excited that you've made that decision. Jesus has done some incredible things the last few weeks, and he'll do a few more here in these next couple weeks that we'll study. We've shared these miracles, and next week I get to share with you one of my favorite miracles from all of Scripture. It's such a fun, fun time. It is now time for Jesus to begin telling everyone who he genuinely is and showing them what that looks like. And next week he's going to do so in a magnificent way. And I can't wait to share it with you. Father God, as we come into your house this morning and we see these miracles unfold and maybe it gets lost, the reality that uh, these are real people, these are real lives. This woman suffered. She suffered greatly for 12 years. As I said, can't even imagine what that would have been like. This father was grieving for his daughter. This was the last possible hope to just somehow get a hold of you and bring you into his home. And Father, that hope was crushed whenever his daughter died. But you looked him in the eye and said, no, 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 no. You had faith before that I could heal her. Don't lose that faith. Just believe. Just continue. No matter the situation, just continue to believe and, and she'll be okay. Father, you look at us today. And as we look at this world around us and the way it's falling apart, and we as believers so many times we question and we wonder and we doubt and we ask, Father, what's going on? And you look at us today and say, hey, 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 don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't allow this world to steal your faith from you. Don't give your joy to this world. But, Father, you call us to just believe. This morning they're here. There are those here that are afraid. And it's not that they don't believe, it's that they're having a hard time believing because of everything that's going on in this world. I pray this morning that the Spirit moves them, strengthens them, builds them up so they leave here today believing, having faith, not being afraid, and that lack of fear going to their friends and their family and people seeing that change and the conversations and the words they use and the posts they make, they see that fear gone and it makes them ask why. Father, there's people listening today that have strayed from you. We want to welcome them back. Father, you want to come running to their side and give them the biggest hug you possibly could as they rejoined the family. Father, if there's anyone watching or listening that's never made that decision for you, they're afraid in this world. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. 
don't know what's next. And Father, you have all those answers for them. They must just seek you. And so if there's anyone that's not made that decision, I pray today is the day that the Spirit moves.